We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Time to dive into a redraft. Get that mindset right to win your redraft league, whether it is your home league, whether it's the FFPC mid event, whatever you are taking place in, that's what we're going to talk about today. We've been in a heavy dose, Sean, of basketball mindset. We've also been on the dynasty side. We try and blend everything together here as well and talk about it in different formats. But today, it's time to get into those redraft streets. It feels like we're right at that time. But as we kick off today's show, I also want to mention... Something that's very valuable for both baseball and redraft is, I, I say this every time, Sean, my favorite series on Stadium Bananas each and every season. It is when you project what is going to happen in round one and round two of 2024 fantasy football drafts. That did come out this week. For, first show came out on Tuesday, second show came out on Thursday. So as you listen to this on Friday, both episodes are available on the Stadium Bananas podcast feed. But absolutely must listen to content from Sean and Ben Gretz. So check those out. And Sean, as we kick off the top of the show, I think it's a, a chance again to mention the contest that you've ongoing for a chance to do a redraft draft with you in the Fantasy Pros contest over at the FFPC. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. We did it last year and had a lot of different elements to it. This year, we're going to have it exclusively for leaving reviews for the podcasts, for Rotovis Overtime, for Stealing Bananas. There will be one winner. There'll possibly be two winners. Obviously, you can leave reviews on both shows and improve your chances a little bit there. You know, we're looking for basically just anything that reflects your experience listening to the shows. I mean, that's the main thing, something that's organic and authentic, but certainly things that are fun. That are star review. <laughs> Colin is nervous that like people are going to try and get into the contest with three or four star reviews. Hopefully, that isn't an issue for you. Yeah, but yeah, you leave a, a review. We'll pick a couple of those out, and we'll draft a fantasy pros team together. That's the three fifty level entry fee. Column one million dollars, the grand prize for that contest this year. Obviously, there are more entries in it than there are in the main event, but yet a very winnable contest from the perspective of you know how many people are there, what's the grand prize? Just a really really cool opportunity there for really anybody who wants to enter that contest. We encourage all of the listeners to jump in because we have so much fun with this FFPC format. But leave that rating and review. That helps us out, obviously, with the algorithm. And then, again, I'm going to draft some teams with listeners. And one of the other elements I did just kind of want to mention, not necessarily required, but you know, I may chat with the person or people about if they want to write some short pieces for the site during this year's fantasy season this year's nfl season kind of about that experience and as they work through it so certainly if that portion of it would appeal to you as well you know get in that contest i would love to draft a team with you and colin that really dovetails with what we're going to talk about today which is 2023 redraft strategy putting it all together we're going to be looking at adp from just the last two days we have 30 plus drafts in either the fantasy pros or the ffpc main event and that gives us a little snapshot of how drafters are approaching 
these different positions in the aftermath of the Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook signings. But it's not really going to be about them. It's going to be a big picture look. And also, if you are thinking to yourself, well, I'm not going to play FFPC, this conversation should be really good for your home league draft that's coming up as well, especially if you are in a 2-2-2 or a 2-2-1 format. So that would be two running backs, two wide receivers, and then one or two flexes. If you're in a format like the Apex Experts, which is also a format that I really enjoy, I'm drafting in the Apex Experts League right now, that's a 2-3-1, and so you have to play at least three wide receivers. One of the interesting elements there, column, is that because of that slight change in the format, it does push it to be very wide receiver heavy. And then depending on how you look at it, that might push you to be more running back heavy, even if it doesn't fit the format if you're in a specific spot. And I bring that up because I have drafted five running backs in the first seven rounds. That's obviously extremely unusual for me. But when I was on the clock after my first round pick, which was Justin Jefferson, I was lucky enough to get the 101. But one of the interesting things about having the 101 in 2023 is that you can get blocked out a little bit when we come back around, and not just as the 2-3 turn, but also at some other turns. One of the things a lot of fun about that Apex League is that there is trading in it, and that's an element that a lot of listeners are going to have in their home leagues, which obviously I recommend. You want to be trading with the people that you're playing the game with. That's one of the really fun parts of it. In that case, drafting the five running backs and taking superior players, at least according to my own rankings, drafting superior players does put you in a position to potentially make some dynamic trades as the year goes along. You're not just locked into that team that you draft originally. That's a little bit of a difference, obviously, with these high stakes leagues. Fantasy pros drafts, main event drafts, you don't have trading in those. Obviously, at the dollar levels that we're talking, you just have to prevent collusion. But Column, as we kind of go through this and look at ADP in the first nine or 10 rounds today, it's really interesting because draft boards look very different than they have really any year in memory. We mentioned 2016 from time to time. There are some vague similarities to 2016, the year that followed the running back apocalypse but this is even much more aggressive in the direction of number one drafters going after wide receivers and number two, the extreme concerns about so many different running backs who, I mean, if you remove those concerns, they'd probably go in quite a bit earlier. Yeah. And a couple of things to go through. We're not going to get into basketball versus redraft, but there is obviously a lot of people doing basketball leagues and in the past we would have talked about how ADP is set. But one of the things with these drafts, the particular ones we mentioned, Sean mentioned it is 30 plus drafts, but it is in the last two days because there has been quite a bit of movement um, in those last couple of days with some signings. But the things that are always of interest to me, Sean, are drafts where people are paying money to have them. So you could do your mock drafts. You could you know, check different ADPs on different sites, different rankings, but they are not going to hold up. I don't think the same as when people are putting down between $350 and $2,000 to, to do these particular drafts that we are talking about. So the big change, Sean, I think from recent years is the difference in those, not just opening two rounds, but as we go through the rounds all the way down to round six, which at the moment is proving to be a very, very heavy running back round with only three non-running backs by ADP going in that particular zone. Before that, Sean, though, as we move through it, and the FFPC with these rankings as well, or what these ADPs will be um, tight end premium. So there will be some tight ends going here that if you're playing in just a standard PPR league, would not be going in the, the same position. So through, though, Sean, the opening first round, we have seven wide receivers to four running backs to one tight end. And for the purposes of this, I'm just focusing on running backs and tight ends, but six running backs in the opening two rounds to 13 wide receivers and then when we you know luck as we move down it does start to close up all the way down to round six but when we get to the end of round six it's 26 running backs to 31 wide receivers so it kind of does close the gap at that point we're still in favor of the wide receiver position but as you mentioned with your draft that you're doing when you're drafting at certain spots you can really get laid out at the wide receiver position and drafts this year and part of that is based on players that you may look to actively target to want to draft. There'll be certain wide receivers that you're not actively targeting. 
but a lot of the running backs then that you're interested in are, are going in those zones that we'll be talking about but we did a show i think shortly after the super bowl where we talked about what might be the situation in round one and round two i felt that it was going to be wide receiver heavy but by the time we got to this point it may start to balance up a bit but one thing we have seen is it has not balanced up in, in any single way to this point and it's not going to balance up before the start of the season it's going to be a very very wide receiver heavy round one and round two in, in 2023 i think that you're right it i mean there's still a possibility that we'll get good news for jonathan taylor and have him move back into the middle of that second round but the more likely thing actually seems like him continuing to fall into the middle of round three we could have josh jacobs positive news which i don't know if that would even move him into round two but probably would and to give people a sense he's going as the 310 currently now that we have the signings it doesn't look like there's any real way for Brees hall to move back into round two if anything for him the question is can he move you know back to the three four turn can he move into round three in the last 48 hours he's been going as the 411 which running, just back seems a, running back 16 as you say and that part seems a little crazy but certainly you can understand it i mean the two backs right before him are aaron jones and travis Etienne, and i think you can certainly make a case for those guys going ahead of Brees hall i think it's harder to make a case for Najee harris and joe mixon who go at 311 and 312 but when we think about all of those guys being in those positions and then you think about kenneth walker in the middle of round five you think about javante williams and james cook jk dobbins being in round six we do have this possibility now of pursuing an approach that is at least vaguely similar to zero RB, but in the other direction. And you think about why that wouldn't have never worked in the past. And the reason, and the reason that we would have done zero RB in the first place is it's multifold, but some of the key elements were simply that you're going to get a lot more points for drafting wide receivers at the same basic spot anytime that your choice is running back or wide receiver you're going to get more points from wide receivers you add in the safety level from the various injury rates and you add in the dynamic where running backs who fill in can score a ton of points whereas wide receivers who fill in don't bring quite that same element and you just have such a fertile landscape for going very wide receiver heavy i mean you were just being given so much value and the other elements worked in concert with that. When we think about the 2023 landscape, now you're being given more equal values. And if you were to go running back heavy, the other elements would not work in concert with it. And so it is different. And yet, not only are you being given running back values when we look at it from a pure scoring perspective, or am I say running back values, scoring levels that are fairly close and i have kind of checked this in three different ways i've looked through it with the win the flex tool that blair andrews has built and gives us implied points in relation to adp i've looked at this through the range of outcomes tool that dave cabin has built and gives us scoring ranges that are based on historical matches and one of the things that is so great about this is that Unlike so many other things where the human tendency, even though you know regression is going to play a role, you know injuries are going to play a role, you know an extra year of aging is going to play a role, you know that the high-end seasons, and, and this is what the regression element is, but the high-end seasons are very difficult for any player to repeat, even if he's a star. The range of outcomes tool, because it takes these very accurate historical matches and quite a few of them, not just a couple of guys, but a lot of matches and gives you a range. It allows you to understand, you know, how players are likely to score and what the low, median, and high outcomes are likely to be or have historically been. And so you can then work through those two and say, well, maybe I don't think it's relevant for this guy or this guy. And you could, so you can filter those players out. 
but then taking the players that you think the range of outcomes is going to do a good job with, you can take them and look at ADP and see, again, what are the relative scoring ranges? And then to make sure that I am not caught up too much in kind of our own Rotoviz bubble, I checked with Ben's projections to kind of see what the relative scoring levels looked like. Obviously, we have great projections up on the site from Dave Cabin, but you always are trying to make sure, again, that you're not biased in a certain direction. And so using a variety of methods, you can see that the running back scoring levels are either similar or better than the wide receivers going at the same spot. But the other element then is that the running backs have these massively wide range of outcomes in part because they have slightly wider ranges anyway. And then also because so many of the guys in 2023 are going where they're going simply because people don't feel like they have enough information. And so if you were to hit on them, their actual scoring level is going to be above where they are ADP wise. All of those things put together then creates this dynamic where if you were to load up at running back and hit to a decent extent, then you're going to have a team that is very difficult to compete with. Now, I do want to always mention that it's very risky for the all of those reasons that we talked about going running back heavy being risky in the past. Now you've injected all of these other uncertainties <laughs> that have created the running back landscape that we have. So it's worse now than it's ever been in terms of those individual running back picks. The question that you have to answer and the question that is very difficult. And so, you know, experts can take you a great deal of the way to the end of that journey. And certainly the people that you trust in the community, you know, you're going to listen to and think through their takes on individual players but also the structure and the big picture environment that we're dealing with but the thing that i i always do want to mention is it's your team and you're going to have to make some of those decisions yourself now you are obviously doing that simply in terms of the your choice of analysts to listen to and and all of those types of things but i just really want to emphasize that when we all have to make our own decisions when we're on the clock and then be responsible for them. So one of the things that's always difficult for me, Colin, is that I am very comfortable risking it all with my teams. But when I take risks and lose, then it does create some heartache for me in terms of feeling like listeners are going to lose. I mean, that part I have a lot more trouble with than losing on my own teams. So when we're trying to think of these things, it's like what are our incentives? What are our incentives in terms of winning and losing in terms of, you know, winning prizes, but then also emotionally, you know, dealing with what the fallout is because the fallout is not all monetary, right? It's how we relate to the other people that we're discussing these ideas with. And it may seem completely beside the point to bring those things up, but I do want to emphasize that 2023 is a unique year and I mean, you should go with your gut and your heart after you've processed all the evidence and say, this is the direction that I feel comfortable with, and these are the players that I want to be behind and want to root for on Sundays, and I'm okay with whatever happens at that point after I've made my decision. Yeah, and I think it's always, it's like, that's not, this isn't what you're saying, but you know, when you're placing money to pay for teams, whether that is in high stakes, whether that's in your home league, whether that's in basketball, whatever it is, bankroll management as well is so important, kind of, you know, you're going to, Put that money out there you're hoping always that it comes back and brings that return but that is not always the the case so it's important to have your mind open to all the information but also to have your mind open to the possible downsides as well of things that could potentially happen one of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending a live event the atmosphere the sound all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person it is just an amazing time one of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress and trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats and that is where game time comes in buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports music comedy and 
theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over tickets, start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have. Game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use the code RotoViz for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RotoViz for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sean, a couple of things I want to bounce off you before I go into the next point is you mentioned zero RB in reverse. Just for people listening, what are you pairing that down to in terms of, let's say, through the opening seven rounds, what would you think the structure would be in that scenario? Well, when I'm looking at it here, I mean, obviously in the first round, you're going to have a shot at Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, or Bijan Robinson for a lot of drafters, not everybody. If you're in the back third, maybe you don't have a shot at those guys. I think you probably still pass there because you're getting similar choices in terms of Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, and Cooper Cup. And I think because the rest of the draft tilts so heavily in favor of running backs, you probably want to start with the wide receiver. And then you look to round two and you have Saquon and Pollard and Derrick Henry. And I like all of those three guys individually. You know, if you wanted to say, let's just go ahead and start this zero RB and reverse element right from the get go. Certainly, if you go Eckler Henry, for example, which by ADP is something that some drafters would be able to do, you can very much justify that. On the other side of it, we like Garrett Wilson a lot. He's in the early second, so you're probably taking him over Barkley or Pollard. Then you have Jalen Waddell, Chris Olave, and Devontae Smith in the second half of round two. And I think that you have to take those guys over Derrick Henry. One of the things that's interesting about 2023 is that because we do have confidence in those receivers and the community has pushed them up at the detriment of running backs, again, just from an AUP perspective, you can start wide receiver, wide receiver, which in the past, if you were going to take something of a running back heavy approach, you probably wouldn't have started it with two wide receivers because then your running back approach ends up being out of the dead zone, which we know that for a long time, based on the ADP structure and based on the profiles of those backs, going wide receiver, wide receiver, and then running back heavy in the dead zone would have been just about the worst possible way you could have played fantasy football. And it may end up being the worst way that you can play it this year too. (laughs) So you have to keep those things in the back of your mind because there's always this element of 
hubris or overconfidence when we're saying, okay, well, I'm looking at it now and I just think I can outdraft this. But when you look at it, it really is tempting to try and outdraft it because then you look into round three and guys like Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, both of them very good players, both of them probably the wide receiver one in their offenses. And yet with the questions that you have with Ridley not having played with Metcalf coming off of two relatively mediocre seasons, again, for a receiver who's going that early and with the competition that the two of them have, those look like the exact same types of picks that running back drafters would have always made in the dead zone where you're just saying, okay, well, this is the next guy. So I'm going to pick him, even though the profile doesn't hold up at all. The profile to the price doesn't hold up. And, you know, in the same way that you occasionally get these dead zone running back hits, it's not impossible that a Ridley or a Metcalf will hit. I'm not saying it's impossible, but when we're looking at the probabilities. Those are not good selections. By contrast, you can take a Ramondre Stevenson. You can take a Travis Etienne. You can take an Aaron Jones. You can risk it on Brees Hall. But not only can you do it at the round three, but then when you wrap back around, you're looking at guys like Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, DJ Moore, Christian Watson. Watson has competition and a quarterback issue and probably a play volume issue. DJ Moore has the hybrid quarterback and actually better competition than people realize. Jerry Judy, and we love Judy. We draft him quite a bit. I think that's a fine pick. But even after Tim Patrick gets injured, there are there just are a lot of questions in Denver. Certainly Amari Cooper is basically the exact same example of Ridley and Metcalf, where you're talking about a guy who throughout the course of his career has been more disappointing than not and is an older player in an offense that has questions with a younger receiver who is both cheaper and higher upside. So again, we're talking about very dead zone profiles. You're going to draft those guys over Travis Etienne, Aaron Jones, Brees Hall, just because that's the trendy thing to do this season. I think that that is problematic. So now we're looking running back, running back. Well, then in round five, you have Kenneth Walker, who, I mean, if Charbonnet is not selected, is probably going in round two. And does Charbonnet do a lot other than soak up the peripheral touches that the backups in Seattle, you know, whoever they would be, does he do more than that? I mean, maybe there are some big Charbonnet enthusiasts. Most of the data would suggest no. So <laughs> you're getting a three round discount there. Then you wrap back into five, into six, and you have Javante Williams, James Cook, J.K. Dobbins, all three of those guys, players who would be round three picks in most seasons. By contrast, you're looking at Christian Kirk, Tyler Lockett. You know, you can reach for JSN, a Mike Evans, a George Pickens. I mean, these are guys that you could draft early at that point, or you could take those running back values. So from a very sort of superficial or like quick, quick snapshot perspective, at the very least, you could consider going two wide receivers and then four running backs and be at two, four through six rounds. Now, there are going to be some downsides to that because we talk about zero RB. And one of the things we always said was, can you get six of the top 15 wide receivers? If you wanted to fully take that approach with 2023, you could do that by starting with Eckler Henry instead of the wide receivers we mentioned. You take the six running backs to start you probably do end up with quite a few big-time scorers. If you're in a 2-2-2 two, 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 to where you can play two running backs, obviously in the running back spots, and then two more in the flex, so you're starting four, then out of those six guys, are you going to get four? Well, we know that there are questions about them to start with, which is why they're there, and then we know about the, court, the running back carnage that occurs during the season, and maybe you don't, and if you lose three out of your six guys, then... I mean, you're already starting to look at a very thin lineup as we get into the heart of the season, but it's something that you can consider because then round seven, round eight, round nine, round 10, arguably round 11, you can come back with receivers. So it's going to depend a little bit on your appetite for taking the elite QB, and it's going to depend a little bit on your appetite for taking the tight end who could be a difference maker as well 
and in these ADPs that we're giving, obviously tight end premium. So in that kind of format, you probably want an elite tight end. If you're playing a non-tight end premium, then these running back prices I've mentioned to you are probably going to be shifted a little bit higher. So you're not going to get quite the same running back value, which I, once you hit the cliff, you've got to be very careful. There are some guys here, column in a DeAndre Swift, in a Khalil Herbert, in an A-Chain, in a Penny, in a Brian Robinson. I mean, there are additional players that you can add on who you know a- actually are somewhat interesting. But once we get past J.K. Dobbins at running back 23, it does fall off a cliff. And so when we're thinking about, okay, these other guys could be useful, it's very much in the dynamic of they could be useful, but, I mean, you're looking at the Grand Canyon in between. Because one of the reasons that you would take a J.K. Dobbins or a James Cook or a Javante Williams is that next season they could be first-round picks. Once you get past Dobbins, I mean, you're talking about guys who next year, if they have a good season, they move up a little bit and stay in the dead zone because that's still who they are. So... We want to be looking at where does that does that running back really collapse in value, and how many do we want to take before that happens? Yeah, that's that's awesome the way you've broken that down. And when we look at the ADP, and we should have mentioned this Sean at the start, but we're using this ADP based on the the tools on Rotoviz.com. Um, you know, you mentioned as well the one the flex tool. There is just so much tools to work to your advantage up on Rotoviz for ADP for. You know, my favorite thing, and when I'm looking at this now, I'm in the ADP draft grid. Absolutely love the draft grid, the way it'll spread it out for ADP for you. But check out all those tools over at rotaviz.com. And of course, if you're signing up, you can use that code RB Radio 2023. But to get back to that draft grid that I'm looking at, Sean, you mentioned some of the wide receivers potentially feeling like almost dead zone wide receivers. I, I think we still definitely have a dead zone this year. I think it's a case that that dead zone has been blurred with the zero RB zone, if that makes sense. So there's some of these running backs that you mentioned in the likes of Brees Hall, who really could be going in that third round. And if we didn't have a situation where we have another running back in Dalvin Cook sign, could be potentially pushing himself towards that second round by the time the season would start off. So I think he there's some of these guys between injuries, contract situations, you know, new information coming out, the likes of Jonathan Taylor falling down, the likes of Brees Hall falling down. But then there's, the guys like Josh Jacobs, who you mentioned, who, you know, there's the, the contract situa- situation going on at the moment. We had that with Saquon Barkley. There's lots of moving pieces. There was concern for who Dallas would sign behind Tony Pollard. Something might still come in there. But then you do have some dead zone running backs in Harris and, and Mixon. But when we move down then into the guys who we might have thought in the past would have been in the 8th, ninth, 10th round range, really – Outside of a couple of names there, an A-Chain, for example, Brian Robinson potentially, maybe even a Jalen Warren, a lot of those guys that would normally be in that category have been pushed up into that sixth round, seventh round range in the likes of Swift, you know, uh, pushing it up then, Javante Williams, James Cook, even maybe Rashad White, all those guys pushed up into that next range. So it's almost like the the running backs at the top have been pushed down into the 3-4 range, but the, the guys who would have been in the four or five range have been pushed down into the sixth, but the guys who would have been in the ninth and tenth round range have been pushed up into the sixth as well. So we're seeing kind of a combination. And then it's basically avoiding the landmines that could be going in that zone. But I also think we see some wide receivers who fill out the remainder of that dead zone. And, you know, Christian Kirk had a very nice season last year. Somebody we like since he came into the NFL. Tyler Lockett's had a great NFL career, but those guys feel like they could be in a, a wide receiver dead zone. So it, there's a, de- a dead zone, but it has really shifted to being wide receiver and running backs, it, it would appear to me. And then once we get into that sort of five, six, seven, eight range that you're sort of alluding to there, it is tricky, I think, because in those rounds, you're getting some interesting receivers. The rounds that are really tough are three and four. Once we get to five, six, seven, eight, if you do want to take receivers, you can still go that route. You can build and, and a team. To, to be clear to the listeners, in round three and four, the running backs are by far the better picks over the wide receivers in those two rounds. They are. Which isn't the case in, in most years in the past. No, it's definitely not been. Once we get into round five, and you can kind of think about it, well, if I'm in the middle or the back of the draft to where I'm, I'm maybe under a little bit more pressure than drafters who are lucky enough to get a one or a two or a three, what have you, 
you look in the middle of five and you're probably going to be able to pick from Deontay Johnson, Brandon Ayuk, and Chris Godwin. And all three of those guys are excellent picks. So I think that's where it becomes difficult because you're thinking Kenneth Walker with you know the little bit of injury that he's had with the competition he has for touches versus someone like Deontay Johnson, who is a top five guy in terms of total targets over the last three years and is being drafted at wide receiver 26. When you want to <laughs> pass on that kind of target hog at wide receiver 26, that would be tough. Brandon Ayuk, fantastic splits to finish 2021. And then last year with Brock Purdy in 2022, him at wide receiver 28 is, is actually kind of bizarre to me. I would think that Ayuk really should be going like right there with Debo Samuel. They should be going like wide receiver 18, 19, as opposed to 18, 28. And then you have Chris Godwin, who's wide receiver 29 and had a good season last year with a washed up Tom Brady coming off of a very serious injury where, again, I mean, you, you always want to take the player's own comments with a little bit of a grain of salt when you have these guys who are coming back from serious injury and they're like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Like, I mean, it's in the ship. Yeah, you're you're closer <laughs> than, you know, maybe you were a couple of weeks ago when you were definitely still hurt. But playing at the NFL level is so tough that being like 85% and actually being able to run around out there, is that ready to go? You know, it, probably not in many cases. But also when you hear a guy who's had a good season and he's saying, look, I was very limited last year. Now I'm back. And now you're going to see the real Chris Godwin, which is what he's saying. Then you want to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt as well. And yet it is relevant when you think about how much of a downgrade you want to give him with those quarterbacks who you know supposedly have both been absolutely terrible in camp so we, we don't want to sugarcoat that you're going to get poor quarterback play but you're talking about chris godwin chris godwin at wide receiver 29 so those are choices in round five that i you know you're fine if you make those the problem then you as i mentioned you wrap into round six there's nobody who is obvious although you can just take jsn in round six his ADP again. In the I'm going to put a star after that, Sean. Uh, Sean will say anything, but you can put a star after with. You can just take JSN there, and that can fit into any round in the draft from round one onwards. I think, Sean. Yeah, if you're if you're in this wide receiver dead zone, like right after Jameer Gibbs in round three, and you can't decide about anybody, just and you're JSN. panicking, and you got five seconds left, just scroll down to JSN, take him, and you don't have to worry about it later. So that's a. a strong pick but then in round seven we're again in this range where by the time you get to that point it is back to receiver so we have pickens and jahan dotson as very obvious choices in seven you have brandon cooks zay flowers elijah moore sky moore as a quartet of very obvious picks in eight and then in round nine i mean you're kind of hoping that quentin johnston falls to you uh, again, if tight ends are not getting pushed up in your league, he probably doesn't. Although in some home leagues, the re rookie receivers are going to be cheaper than they are in most other places. So you want to make sure you check out the default rankings on your site, because that's the other thing that will happen. The rookies will not be as high in the home leagues and they won't be as high in expert projections. And so a lot of the game providers they're not trying to necessarily push you off of these receivers, but if you have default rankings that are not actually ADP and a very good expert has their projections in there, which most of the sites have, it's not going to be a contingency based outlook in all likelihood. And so some of the guys with more uncertain outcomes are going to be buried in the defaults. And if they're buried in the defaults, then they will likely get, deeper to you in your draft so make sure you're very prepared and have a sense of maybe how your league has gone in the past if rookie receivers fall in your draft then that will influence how you want to approach it because if you can confidently say i'm going to be able to get quentin johnston in nine and maybe you know jordan addison is falling deep into eight i mean i think there are still picks that are arguably stronger than addison deep into eight but you're going to have more opportunities there the other thing I would mention is that 
we do, especially once we get into round nine, you can start to make some contingency-based picks, especially in redraft, where it's not the hole in your roster, the hole in your lineup that it is in best ball, where you've got to use every single one of those picks effectively. We're now outside the range of guys who are actually going to be starting in a lot of formats. So in round nine, if you want to take a Traylon Burks, who if I'm looking at just yesterday's ADP, falls into the deep nine because obviously got hurt yesterday at practice. And I would expect him to probably fall a little bit more. He's expected to be back at the moment for the season, but, um, you know, going to miss the rest of preseason, it sounds like. So I would expect it to affect it a little bit more. I think that's something that's really tough for Traylon Burks. Those of us who were rooting for him, it's disappointing because he was already going to be competing with DeAndre Hopkins. Now you lose this very valuable practice time. And for an ascending player who could have really put his stamp on this offense to lose that time right before the season and then perhaps to come back not at 100%, that's pretty devastating. At the same time, we always want to look for the silver lining and how you can then adjust and win your fantasy league as a result. And for Traylon Burks, I mean, if they just have the patience to hold him out until he's ready and he's healthy, and maybe he misses week one and misses week two. You know, it's one of these things where if you're drafting him outside the range of your actual starters, you almost want them to hold him out of weeks one and week two or whatever he needs. I, we don't know what exactly the time frame is going to be. You hear, like you said, that LCL could be back right as the season starts. There's going to be you know, <laughs> some nebulous area around that. But whatever he needs, you hope that they do. Because then once he does come back healthy, you've gotten a guy in round nine or round 10 or maybe round 11 who projects as a round five player when he's healthy. Again, that can do some damage to you in best ball and redraft. It's, I wouldn't say it's perfect, but it's something that you can potentially really benefit from. So I think that the Burks injury is actually one of these additional pieces that makes this zero RB in reverse arguably work because you can stack a bunch of those guys together and you don't need nearly as many of them to hit as you do when you draft zero rb and you know when you're going six seven receivers early and you're building your team around that those guys need to perform i think that sometimes people are like well i'll just draft a bunch of receivers and everything will work out the receivers have to be big scorers right and that's one of the things when we're looking at zero rb this year and thinking well should i do it or not you go straight down and you draft those wide receivers through the first six rounds. I don't know that you really look at that lineup once you're done and think I've got a bunch of superstars here. Basically what you've done is you've just, you've loaded up on receiver (laughs) and yet you've got a bunch of guys who don't make a difference for you. That doesn't work. That's not the goal of zero RB is just to have receiver bodies on your roster. If anything, these players with wider outcome ranges could be better for you again than the players who are going early i mean are they going to be projected to have as good a median outcomes obviously not but when we're talking about benefiting from chaos benefiting from uncertainty being willing to take the risk on players who actually do have that upside and can move up in next year's draft as opposed to almost certainly having to move down that's where we win but Again, these are calculated risks every step of the way, as opposed to just saying, okay, well, I'm going to draft a bunch of landmine players and see what happens, <laughs> because that also will probably not work out for you. Yeah, that that all sounds really good. When, even if you pull up, you know, ADP and the draft grid form, as I mentioned, but if you start putting access tree players that you feel are potential landmines this year, it'll obviously give you a, a good guide of what potential options are available and which rounds as you move through it. And I know Sean talked about Kenneth Walker. He is in a situation at the moment in round five where he is the only running back that has been drafted, but also the only running back there because he's the only running back being drafted that you would try and select. But when you look through it, you know, just to go to summarize everything, the question I would have is almost like the hyper-fragile build as well. It feels like if you start running back, running back, and then it was a case that let's say it's Jamar Gibbs, Brees Hall, and then Kenneth Walker. But I, I feel in that fifth round, Kyle Pitts goes there, George Kittle goes there, and Dallas Goddard goes there. So I feel there's a potential there to pivot to tight end. Third round, TJ Hawkinson, a chance to go to tight end there. And then you are into that kind of, it feels like 
a mixture of very fertile running backgrounds to you know pick up those players and also very barren grounds at the same time but you know jk dobbins is in there james cook javante williams you move down through those couple of rounds you can get running back running back it feels like through those seven rounds you could have your four running backs the question i would just have sean rather than going into all of the late round stuff there's probably in this situation with that particular build you may be passing on that elite quarterback at that particular point through those six rounds but that's something we can talk about in more detail later but in the later later rounds then as we move through let's say round 11 onwards there is a couple of running backs in the the 9 10 range where i think are very interesting to potentially pick up as well so let's say through 10 rounds you have four running backs then the rest of the team's built in whichever way it is with tight ends and wide receivers are, are you kind of at that point and that reverse your rb build that we're talking about are you are you done then are we are we like loading up on those options and then really maybe adding a fifth but you know a 20 round draft and most of these redraft leagues you're gonna have to add a, a kicker and a defense as well no i don't i wouldn't say i necessarily am done and one of the things in addition that you can do is continue to add these players with you know, so much uncertainty, but uncertainty that could tip in your favor. And so we think about, well, if you only have a couple of receivers, what would I want? And I think that in some ways it's instinctive to say, well, I want safety. I want to have some guys who can score some points if I need those points. But I would encourage people to think in terms of instead, if you've started wide receiver, wide receiver, it doesn't mean those guys are going to stay healthy, but you are making a bet on them being big scorers for you. And those players filling those starting lineup spots. Then we're trying to think of what players are going to actually move the needle when we look at the flex and we look at the middle of the season and we look at the end of the season and we know that our own rosters are going to undergo some damage. Someone like a Jamison Williams who's going at the end of round 10 and is suspended, is hurt, is constantly generating negative news, still someone who was a first-round pick and has crazy speed and put up monster numbers in his final year in college, you can make that bet, even though it feels uncomfortable, because he actually does move the needle for you if it hits. And if you wait for him after his suspension and he plays a month and does nothing, then you can cut him again. And you say, well, now I've burned 10 weeks of a roster spot. And you want to keep that in, in mind too. And certainly in leagues where maybe you only have 14 true roster spots in addition to your kicker and your defense, you're both more and less likely to keep him because now you only have 14 guys you can actually keep stash, hold on to. Now some of those leagues are going to have IR spots where a suspended player is eligible. So again, you want to know that about your league settings. In any league where you have IR spots and a suspended player is eligible, make sure you grab him. But the element with the 14 roster spots is that, yeah, you don't have as much room to stash players, but the waiver wire is also just so much more, again, fertile and just loaded with players that every week you can churn. So you actually don't have to worry about, well, I've stashed this guy to my detriment, but at the same time, you know, there are always players available on the wafer wire each week. I just want to make sure I participate in that. So that kind of cuts both ways. But to look at your question of can we continue to take running backs, one of the reasons why we would take running backs in that 9 through 15 range with zero RB is, number one, the most obvious, you need running backs. But then number two, the contingency-based outcomes for those running backs are very high-end compared to the receivers who are going in that range. And so we think through to our roster and what moves the needle – and if we're going zero RB in reverse and we have committed to this idea of two running backs, two wide receivers, and then two more running backs in the flex, it actually doesn't matter that much to us if our wide receivers on the bench are scoring well. What we really want is how do we get the most points into the flex? And one of the reasons why we would go zero RB and feel comfortable with it is that the running backs coming out of this range were viable starters in the running back one and the running back two spots well if they're viable starters in those spots then they're also viable players to reinforce your bench and reinforce your flexes 
And you think to, you know, how do we get there and, and what's going to happen? Well, if some of those early running backs that you drafted get hurt, which history would tell us is not unlikely, then again, we want the highest potential scoring players on our bench to move into the flex from that point on. So if you go running back heavy, but you also like the running backs who are in round nine to round 15, who would be our traditional zero RB candidates, you can still take them. Now, you don't have to feel as much pressure to load up as you might with a zero RB team, but you're also not going to avoid a guy like a Jalen Warren or a Tyler Algier or a Raheem Mostert or a Ty J Spears or a Chuba Hubbard, maybe a Ty Chandler if you feel like the Vikings running back room is going that direction. Still, you know, some risks there with signings and whatnot. A Jerome Ford. I mean, there are players all throughout that range who could potentially be more dynamic than the no-name receivers who are going there. You want to make sure that your bench is tilted to scoring flex points for you. If you're in a league that is like a 2-3 format with no flexes, then it's going to be different. So if you start two running backs and three wide receivers and no flexes, then you want to make sure you get your wide receivers. Because there's really no scenario in which having a lot of running back firepower helps you beyond just those two spots. So again, knowing your format, knowing your default rankings, those are going to be very important elements to drafting correctly when you're on the clock. But when we're thinking globally about how you might be able to exploit the 2023 ADP landscape, some of the things we've talked about today, I think will give you some edges. I think it's uh, very interesting. And I think, Sean, what I'm going to open the floor for two people listening in is any follow-up questions they have, because there's a lot of stuff we discussed today that will be similar in terms of trying to plan for drafts and what moves you might make based on what you do at certain points. But there will be stuff that people are maybe intrigued by that has maybe uh, given them some intrigue into asking further questions that we can then talk about in our upcoming redraft shows we'll be having more next week. So if you have any questions from today's show or any questions in general, you can send them my way on Twitter at OverTimArland or you can email them across at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Don't forget to enter Sean's contest to draft alongside him. Drop a written interview on your favorite podcast app, whether it's Apple, Spotify, wherever you can drop those written. We would really appreciate that for both Stadium Bananas and Rotoviz Overtime. And while you're there, don't be afraid to drop them for the other Rotoviz content as well. That is going to do it for our third show of the week. If you haven't checked out already, we did a BBM draft. We also did a auction style conversation that we talked a lot about auction drafting as well now we're talking redrafts we're covering everything here so make sure you are subscribed to get all those shows once they become available we'll be back next week but until then have a good one thank you for listening to overtime and road of his radio please rate and review the road of his radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at road of his radio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at road of his radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to road of his with a discount through the road of his radio homepage road of forward slash podcast